Hi guys, and welcome back to the Muscle Mentors podcast. We are here for another guest interview. I think this is guest interview number 16, but it is a reoccurring guest in the form of the incredible Dr. Dean. Um, we've got Dean back on the podcast to talk about something that is going to be highly relevant for a lot of people coming up over the next few weeks, um, considering the fact that there are back-to-back British finals now for the PCA, for the UKBFBA. The universe is coming up very, very soon, uh, and there'll be a lot of people in the situation where some guidance and some kind of insight into what the body's going to be going through over the next few weeks is going to be very, very valuable. So we're going to be talking about kind of the post-show period for, for an athlete um, following contest prep and the potential ramifications of that period of time if this is approached in potentially the wrong way. Um, trying to give you some insight into how we can manage this best moving forwards. Um, Dean, how are you? I'm good, Callum. Thanks for having me back on. My Always pleasure. a pleasure. My pleasure. You, you're looking a little bit tired this morning, Dean. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, just a little. Just a little. But that's the joys of a, a young boy. A young boy. Um, talk me through, just from your experience, Dean, personally, this is something you kind of learned the hard way before and have had, obviously, direct experience from a, from kind of a knowledge perspective, but also a personal experience perspective as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean... Really, post-show, you've put so much effort into your physique over, say, 16, 20-week period for your prep. That can be a little daunting post-show if you don't have direct guidance or a direct plan on how sensitive your body is going to be mm. in terms of you know energy balance, but also um, your water balance. So I guess when we, when we approach peak week, in inverted commons, um, generally the protocol that people follow is water loading where we you know taper water up over that final week and what we're basically doing there is dire water intake is the lower our antidiuretic hormone secretion is from the hypothalamus so mm-hmm. if anyone's not familiar antidiuretic hormone it's also known as vasopressin that regulates how our kidneys excrete water so if we have high, so when we we're in a dehydrated or stressed physiological state, our hypothalamus will increase antidiuretic hormone and we retain fluid. Mm. On the other side of that, then we also have aldosterone, which is another hormone secreted from our adrenals, and that also controls water balance, but, all, but via how we retain sodium. So if we look at our Classic peak week, we taper water up over the week, which lowers antidiuretic hormone. And then we maintain, you know, normal to high levels of sodium throughout that week, again, to keep aldosterone down. Mm. Then what we tend to do then is we tend to, 24 hours out from the show, we taper water intake, we cut sodium intake at some point, and then we allow, you know, the two to balance out as our kidneys are then flushing out fluid, they're drawing sodium with it uh, that, and that's basically the simplest way to explain the drying out process mm. but you, you tend to then end up with maybe a 24-hour period where you have this this grace period where adh is low and aldosterone is low but 
it, it's sort of like a seesaw. So you tip it all inside of, of one thing. You have homeostatic control where it wants to tip it back in the favor of balance. Yeah. So even if you don't use a pharmaceutical diuretic, which we'll talk about in a second, you still have this period, 24 to 36 hours post-show, where your body's going to be more sensitive as it tries to compensate back to a normal physiological set point of ADH and aldosterone. Mm. Um, and that can again skew, which is another thing we can discuss, the, the psychological aspect of post-show. Your body's going to remain and retain holding fluids for a period post-show before mm. you have this balance of ADH and aldosterone. And I think that, again, can further skew the psychologically psychological aspect of a competitor because they start to see their body soften within those first couple of days very yeah. quickly. But again, it's it being able to understand that this is a normal physiological function and that it can balance out provided you cooperate with your body. Mm. Um, with an enhanced athlete, so you're using diuretics, possibly a loop diuretic, which I would not suggest to use like frozenide or Lasix, which is like the old school practice. And they basically inhibit your kidneys from um, reabsorbing sodium, potassium and chloride. They're quite dangerous because again, you can end up in a, a, um, a low potassium environment where then you can overcompensate and you, you can lead then to heart issues. So they're, they're not the wisest um, diuretics to use. They're also not the wisest diuretic to use also because in order to maintain proper blood volume, we should have a level of sodium in our blood. Mm -hmm. We also need sodium and potassium within our muscle tissue for volume. So it's quite classical. You see someone on stage and they say, oh, I was so flat. I didn't carve up enough. Well, generally what happened there was you actually extracted all the sodium and potassium out of your your muscle tissue and you you lose that volume yeah and and it's quite easy a simple tip for anyone listening to this on show day if you can't feel your muscles contract you're not <laughs> undercarbed you have really messed up somewhere with your dehydration mm -hmm. like you should be able to feel your bicep or your delts contract very hard on show day if you've done everything correctly yeah um and that's a classic way for even a coach to understand how the competitor's body is operating on show day. And then you can obviously, you can provide you don't use loop diuretics where no matter what you try to um, introduce back into the body, it's still going to keep the kidneys are just going to not reabsorb, you know, the sodium and potassium is going to get flushed out. Um, that's where we see the likes of the combination diuretics like um, the thiazide. So you have, you know, we have the combination of thiazide and triamterine, which is a potassium sparing diuretic. So that's what's in thiazide, which is mm -hmm. the most popular diuretic to speak. To. Again, inverted commas, safest diuretic in that you have inhibited sodium and chloride transport into your kidneys so again you're going to increase um, diuresis of water being flushed out but you have then the aspect with the triumptarium where you're saving potassium from being excreted from your body 
Yeah. So again, we can think, you know, potassium helps to store fluid within our tissue. And sodium works on the opposite with the sodium potassium pump. Um, but, so, if we do get into the scenario where we use diuretics, we've also probably used that in conjunction with water loading and obviously sodium manipulation. So we're already in an environment where ADH and aldosterone are low. We add in this diuretic sort of like an insurance policy to ensure that diuresis continues throughout the night in hopes that then when we wake up in the morning, we've removed subcutaneous water as opposed to intracellular water. Mm. Um, but on that aspect, then again, you still have that grace period where your body is sort of in this dehydrated, controlled dehydrated state. So immediately post-contest, you, your body is going to try and reach back to that homeostatic um, level of ADH and aldosterone. And that's where we start to see the problems. Especially, as, as I said um, before we discussed the diuretics, enhanced athletes need to pay very close attention to the first 48 hours post-show if they do use diuretics. Yeah. Um, and I'm speaking from example because um, 2016, um, for the, and my nationals prep, the night before the nationals, I used a quarter of a diazide on top of the water loading and sodium manipulation. Mm. Now, I was really dry show day, but immediately post-show, I went back to high fluid intake. So again, what I'm trying to do there is control ADH, and I went back to normal sodium intake. And again, I'm trying to cooperate with aldosterone in my body. I also, and competitors listening to this are probably going to be shocked, but I had one post-show treat, and then I was straight back to my pre-contest diet because I had a show in two weeks' time. I basically just protein and veg. That was my diet at the time. But come Tuesday, Tuesday evening, so we're talking competing Saturday afternoon to Tuesday morning, I was up 18 pounds. Mm. And that's just 18 pounds of fluid. And you will know your, your stomach is completely bloated. You just have this slushy feeling in your stomach. But again, imagine if you were to augment that with a high carbohydrate intake, which is generally, if someone is unguided post-show, they'll go back to eating you know, highly palatable foods increased carbohydrate intake and you're just compounding on top of that homeostatic regulation that's trying to happen yeah so patience with competitors post-show especially if you have another show in two weeks time you need to ride out this homeostatic regulation by being patient and cooperating with the body yeah two or three days of you know controlled high water intake high sodium intake again but come Tuesday, Wednesday, post-show, you're sort of back then to your baseline pre-contest weight. Mm. You also, like I said, you need to understand that this process is inevitable. So all throughout Sunday night into Monday morning, you will feel your body retain fluid because of how ADH and aldosterone are trying to regulate themselves. Yeah. And I don't know if this is something you've seen even in your competitors. Yeah, hundred percent. Even myself this year, post post uh, 
post the PCA in Midlands because I did <clears throat> I did pre bed quarter Darzide and then I did another quarter when I woke up in the middle of the night. Um, and I know for a fact that because I was so preoccupied after the show because I was so preoccupied with being with my family and being kind of like present, didn't drink enough fluid, and I had two two meals out that day one one immediately post show one in the evening which were fairly substantial and even from like the the next day the morning that i woke up like the fluid retention was mad um that's when i went that's when we con- I contacted you and i was like right let's sort this out um yeah i mean the other side with dennis we, we look at this magic post rebound period with competitors where they're so anxious to get straight into an off-season as soon as they come off stage. You see George's feedback of, you know, you didn't have enough muscle mass, you need to be bigger, etc. And that sort of drives out, you know, this immediate top processes for improvement rather yeah. than taking a step back, observing that that post-show period requires patience to restore that physiological balance and then progress into the off-season. That would encompass both higher food intake and also compound usage for enhanced athletes. Yes. Again, when we look at a pre-contest period with an enhanced athlete, we tend to use towards the end of the prep highly androgenic compounds to elicit their cosmetic benefits to the person's physique. Mm. And again, when we remove them post-show, the physique tends to soften a little bit. And that, again, can compound on t- top of the psychological aspect towards, you know, you're starting to soften. You've grown so used to seeing your physique a certain way in the last six weeks that, you know, that sort of then drives less progress for the off-season because you're afraid of losing that condition. Yeah. Um, but as, as a, an aside to that, if a competitor then is anxious to get into this post-compound, uh, post-contest rebound period, they tend to then think, well, let's ramp up compound usage. Yeah. So something like testosterone, potentially depending on the competitor, probably stopped using it within the last two weeks pre-show. Again, all depends on you know how we control estrogen going into the show, what we require um, individually. But we then see this top processes of let's increase compound use because I'm going to get more gains with this post-contest rebound. People tend to forget, and I covered this in the body power talk on um, the side effects of AAS. AAS not only act on androgen receptors, they act on all steroid receptor families. Um, Of that are the mineral corticoid receptors. So aldosterone is a mineral corticoid. So you can see now that when we increase testosterone use post-show, there's the potential there for the testosterone to act on your mineral corticoid receptors also to increase sodium retention. Mm. So you're now adding on top of this seesaw of further increasing water retention, which again is not only going to lead to health problems because you're now going to have increased sodium retention in your blood, so you potentially higher blood volume. So it's going to maybe lead to higher blood pressure. Yeah. Um, you also then have you know increased stress in the kidneys because it's having to keep up with this filtering of this increased blood volume. What would probably make more sense post-show would be to return to a physiological state. So whether that is 
the person undertakes, you know, the clearance period to proceed into a PCT or adopts a practice which would lead to a physiological level of testosterone. From there then, they can, you know, utilize this TRT period to either get their bloods back in order to progress then into the off-season, or again, um, patiently adopt a clearance period to go into PCT. It, it depends on what the aspirations of that competitor are. Yeah. But it's, it's definitely not a period to increase drug usage within the first three to four weeks post-show. Mm. Um, it just does not make sense, even from an energy balance perspective, we're not in this, you know, quote-unquote anabolic period, in my opinion. The, the body's been uh, deprived, basically, of higher higher energy for a long period of time. It's not going to be purely driven into an anabolic state where the excess energy we intake is going to be fueled for anabolic purposes of tissue building, etc. Yeah. Um, it just makes more sense, in my opinion, that we, we, we be patient post-show, we ride out that first two to three weeks, and then we start to plan an effective rebound. Mm. And in that scenario, realistically, if you were to drop back down into a physiological dose, allow that kind of reinstatement period to take place, and then initially use calories and food as the main driver for progress incrementally, yeah. And then you can layer on the drugs from that and just slowly move forwards, right? Yeah, yeah. Like that makes more logical sense. I mean, you're again, you're going to be so receptive to food post-show that immediately your training performance is going to go up. Yeah. You intelligently then manage NEAT. We drop out, you know, some activity. So obviously post-show, uh, we may drop structured cardio and just set a NEAT activity goal. So again, you're you're already freeing up energy in that regard that we can use to then further fuel our training intensity. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people just underestimate how you structure that, you know, first two to three weeks post-show um, as an effective way to, again, allow physiological balance to return and then, again, look to plan ahead into your off-season. Well, one thing that I've noticed as well with my guys in particular as well and those that are assisted is if you have that mentality of continuing to extend the period of anabolics post-show they also have the mentality of right immediately post-show i need to go from training at 60 percent capacity to training at 100 percent, but the body's not not ready to actually handle that training intensity from a recovery perspective because you're still on the back foot post-show because you're so fatigued. And when you even look at things like autonomic markers, HRV, resting heart rate, blood pressure, all that stuff is so skewed that it's clear and evident to see that the body's not in a prime state to go back to full intensity. But the way the mind works when you've got a very competitive individual, they can't not go zero to 100% in that scenario. And it will come back to bite you after a while. They'll either get injured or they'll just burn out very, very quickly in due time. Yeah, I mean, again, it all comes back to the one word, and I stayed at the start of the podcast was patience. Yeah, it really is patience, and this is where competitors who go quickly between seasons never tend to make too much progress because of you never you're, you're you know taking some downtime to allow that physiological balance to return 
and then progressing into the off season. So if you compete, you know, spring and winter, you, you never have this key period where you can actually afford to take calories up, mm. you know, progress your physique and then look to start a dieting period. Mm. You, you end up somewhere in the region of maybe four to five weeks of an off season, which again, is not going to make a huge difference by the time you go on stage that winter. Yeah. Um, and again, I guess that's, that's just the, uh, probably the addictive nature of being competitive on stage as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I guess as well, the other thing, like we said there, sleep as well, post-show. Um, when we drop out certain compounds, uh, sleep sleep is so vital to return post-contest. Because if you did not effectively manage your sleep um, during the pre-contest period, so either, for example, you know, cooperating with COMT, which I've gone on about before, and um, because of either higher estrogen or using heavy androgens, you now have a period where you can actually get that cooperating, lowering dopamine before sleep and allowing you to have better sleep quality. Mm. And then obviously adopting those practices going into your off season. And it's a, it, 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 it's an interesting period to observe those who are seasoned competitors and those who are first timers. Yeah. Because I always take not, not, joy but i always laugh to myself that the ones that aren't guided and think that this is an easy period are most often the ones they end up seeing as marshmallow men as they call them mm. and again like we said at the start i'm speaking from experience because the very first time i ever competed in 2011 no one explained to me what happens the first you know week post show yeah and, and by the following like saturday or sunday thinking that you know you can you can enjoy um, you know, excessive treats by the following Sunday, I was walking around like the Michelin man. Yeah. Uh, and it's not, it's not a nice feeling psychological. Um, like your, your body's basically softening, you're blowing out. And again, that can then further drive, I suppose, um, not binge eating, but you, you start to see your physique change where you think that you can't pull it back unless you understood the physiology of this is normal, once you cooperate with your body, that fluid retention comes off. Yeah. Um, and I think, like like you said, we've we seen that ex- the same with yourself. Once we adopted certain practices, within two or three days, all that fluid came off you. Yeah, because it was like my upper body was peeled and then my lower body had like 10 litres of fluid in it. <laughs> and, and like people, people don't, you know, again, that's, you know, you're looking at your lymph system. If there's, if there's not sufficient lymph flow either, you know, you're going to have blood pooling down at your ankles. Yeah. Which again, the, the secret there, like I've showed to you and if people are listening now, is get a pair of compression socks post-show. This is the drainage protocol, people. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, what? what's the drainage protocol? <laughs> Compression socks, again, you're, you're providing a mild form of compression to allow the limb to return back into circulation. Mm. Um, and again, that's why we tend to then, when we wake up in the morning, we are at our driest because we're, um, when we're lying down flat, our blood pressure drops. We have you know, increased uh, blood volume returning back to the kidneys for excretion. Mm. Um, and again, that's ten, that tends to be why also during pre-contest where you end up waking up during the middle of the night going to the bathroom so much because you have that return of fluid which is pooled at some point during the day yeah 
Um, but yeah, the compression socks, um, the going straight back to high fluid intake, restoring electrolyte balance to keep aldosterone um, under control. These are all just vital aspects to cooperate with post-show. Um, if you want to, again, ensure that, for example, with yourself with traveling, you're putting yourself at big risk if you don't manage that water retention as well. You, you, basically, you basically told me I was going to die. <laughs> You're like, Dean, I've got a 13-hour flight in three days. <laughs> like, yeah, you're going to die. <laughs> and like, I mean, again, that, that's a clear example. Most people post-show plan holidays within exactly, the first yeah. two weeks post-show yeah. to, to either, you know, take advantage of looking so great from being on stage and as well having that downtime with their partners. Yeah. But we also, like I said, need to manage our health in that aspect especially if you are flying you know a long haul flight and um, because again you're, you're just going to increase the risk of dvt if you don't um cooperate with that physiological balance yeah from a from a kind of take-home perspective in terms of practical application then if you were if you were to have a competitor in front of you now that was just about to go through this process whether they were unenhanced and weren't using a pharmaceutical diuretic or whether they were enhanced and were using a pharmaceutical diuretic, what would be the main take-homes to manage this quote-unquote rebound most effectively just in terms of what they have control of and what they can action? So let, let's say for example like this morning we have the PCA finals for the male bodybuilding. Yeah. What we'd look at is post, so as soon as they come off stage so obviously we, we've adopted practices to dehydrate that person. Post-stage, I'd be encouraging at least a minimum of one and a half liters of fluid. Mm. With either a serving of electrolytes or the incorporation of some electrolytes um, with their free meal. So obviously that the, tonight, say for example, you would allow that competitor, you know, free reign of either a free meal with family or you know, a free meal and a couple of treats pre-bed. Yeah, that is on top of fluid intake. So fluid intake cannot be ignored during this period. You need to return immediately back to higher fluid intake to start getting that ADH under control. Monday then when they wake up again, we're going straight back to where their water intake was probably on Thursday. So for doing water loading, we're talking somewhere around six, six liters, seven liters. We're going back to you know um, high sodium intake of where we had it during the peak week. We'd go back to normal baseline diet or slightly lower the carbohydrate intake for that day because obviously when we're going into the show, we've potentially either slightly increased carbohydrate intake, we've probably taken a couple of rest days pre-show, so glycogen isn't going to be necessarily depleted for those initial um, training days post-show you're also going to have to you're also after having probably a couple of um, nice treats the night before so you're not going to be depleted for training mm -hmm. so again we're not going to augment this um, water retention aspect by you know having higher carbohydrate intake because again carbohydrates themselves augment the fluids um, so we'd go back to the normal baseline or slightly lower carbohydrate for Monday with high fluid and normal sodium. We could incorporate again another free meal Monday night, provided that they keep on top of their fluid intake, as I said. Tuesday would be the same again. 
and then Wednesday we we most likely start to see the physiological balance return. So we, we'd start to see ADH and aldosterone starting to cooperate. And and you will, as I said, by Monday night or Tuesday afternoon for a competitor competing on a Sunday, you will start to notice water retention. Yeah. You will, you will feel it in your digestive process as well because the water will be just sitting in your stomach. Mm. But again, it's still vital that we keep on top of this fluid intake, even if it means avoiding um, ingestion of meals to keep on top of that water intake. Um, and again, I, I, to speak from um, experience, that time in, in 2016, Monday evening, I was due to go for a meal with Morgan. But my stomach, like by half seven, my stomach was just sloshing with water. Yeah, and and at that period, I just said to Morgan, "There's no point in me going out to try and eat on top of this. I'll just get another bit of fluid into me before I go to sleep. I'm into bed early." Yeah, um, and it's just really paying attention to how your body's um, reacting to that period of the aldosterone and ADH trying to balance itself out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously, like we said, so that's obviously covering the water balance, the uh, food ingestion, um. Compound usage then, again, just understand that it's not wise to play yourself with androgens immediately post-show. Um, if you are going to remain enhanced, it's probably wise that you find what dose corresponds to a physiological dose of testosterone. Um, you're also going to be removing thermogenics to an extent, and um, that is another podcast. Uh, hopefully I'll do it to you on thyroid hormone metabolism. Yeah, that's going to be coming up very soon. A, a, a period where we're going to, you know, remove these uh, lipolytic agents or, or, you know, metabolic enhancing agents. So again, they're going to have an effect towards energy balance when they're removed. Um, but definitely it's, as I said, the one word is patience. Patience yeah. and a plan. And I think the the point that you brought up with, especially for assisted athletes when they're removing, like if somebody was running multiple orals into a show mixed with the fact that they're probably depleted and they get used to that very dry, hard look, dealing with the kind of the psychological ramifications of seeing that slowly unwind post-show when everything's pulled out is something that needs to be managed very, very closely as well. Like above any of this we've spoken about with, with, with potassium and sodium and fluid, um, that's something that is inevitable that this needs to be psychologically managed moving forwards. Most definitely. And again, that's where having an experienced coach um, comes, comes into play because obviously they'll be able to understand from pictures and you know, check-ins what actually is happening to that person's body and you know provide that reassurance that this is all normal you're, you're going to lose that grainy appearance to the musculature because of we're lowering or removing these highly androgenic compounds yeah yeah i think i think it was uh it was either you and i think it might have been joe i was speaking to joe jeffries the other day and he he explained the post-show period is like when you're pre-contest it's quite a good analogy to use it's like pulling the the string of a bow back very taut so you're pulling it as far back as possible 
pulling it away from homeostasis to, to another extreme. And then post-show, at some point, you're going to have to let that bow go. And it's the process that you're going to go through all the way back to the other side. That you know, The more extreme you end up at the end of a contest prep, probably the more extreme it's going to be to get back to where you were pre-contest. Exactly. And that, that's, again, where the whole word of patience and a plan yeah. comes into it, of, of being able to ride out that, that bow returning or the, the wave of returning back to your, your normal natural baseline of where you were before you even began your pre-contest. Yeah, because that's, that's something that I found in particular, and it's been a big lesson for me, is how far away from normal I was at the end of prep. Because it was because it was a 20-week prep, I was kind of numb to everything that was going on, and I didn't see that as, by the end of prep, that was just like who I was. But then now, sitting back, you know, that show was like five weeks ago, I was like this. I was in like a different world back then from a body composition perspective, but you don't realize it until you actually start to come out of it. Exactly. You don't realize how, how abnormal things are. Um, and then at some point, it's going to have to start to switch back to where you were before. Yeah, no, 100%. It's, it's an interesting, I mean, for when you coach a first-time competitor, it's, it's very interesting to see how that person responds. Mm. Because obviously, as a coach, you've been there, you've, you've again, if you are a coach who has experienced these processes, you, you then have that empathy of being able to guide someone post-show out through that wave. Unless they're a robot, then you don't need to guide them. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need empathy do you <laughs> no i agree i agree um it just one thing you spoke about before this is pretty common as well especially mid-season if somebody was going from back-to-back -back peaks in terms of weekends where they had back-to-back -back shows and you had maybe a, a, a seven-day turnaround for example how can you manage that given such a short time frame? Um, in that regard, you would have to pick what show means most to the competitor. Yeah. And I know, I know that sounds like a ridiculous um, phrase to say um, and that we all want to place our best at every show we enter. But if you are, for example, going to use a diuretic with, with an athlete, you're not it's going to be very difficult going into that following week, being able to manage this homeostatic rebound while ensuring that their glycogen is sufficiently topped up. Yeah. Because then you need a level of potassium and sodium for glycogen to be synthesized. Mm. And if your body's pissing it out, you're not, you're, you're, you're fighting a balance here that you're not going to win. Mm. In that regard, you'd then adopt probably a natural peak for maybe the first show. Uh, and again, the most I would ever recommend to an athlete would be, you know, two shows back to back. There, there is no point in doing multiple, you know, week after week after week after week, unless say it was a bikini athlete, a yeah. male bodybuilder, you're probably on it away with two peaks. And then either following the second show, either the metabolism takes a turn for the worst and you're, you're then going to, you know, further, you know, increase metabolic rate where it's going to be very difficult to pull back and fill out that physique. Yeah. Or again, you're going to have to fight this ADH and aldosterone imbalance. Um, so for the first show, um, if that is the primary goal to win, then again, you go 
guns blazing into it with your diuretic use. Managed to rebound post-show, which probably would be, you know, going back to high water intake, high sodium intake, lowering carbohydrates. So again, you'd have to anticipate as a coach that you're probably only going to get one or two days to top up glycogen minimally. So again, you're going to have to look at how you effectively manage that person's training volume going yeah. into that second peak week. Yeah. To that we don't further deplete them. Um, or you have the opposite scenario where you do the natural peak for the first show. And then obviously you, you don't have as much of a, a grace period to deal with. You know, you probably have maybe a day, a day and a half for ADH and aldosterone to settle out. You, you don't tend to have a, a huge rebound period. And I know Dr. Scott is a big fan of using this, you know, no diuretic approach because if you can then effectively manage the day's post-show to, you know, compete multiple times. Yeah. Um, but then again, you, you know, it, with the natural peak for the first show, the second show, then you, you still have to cooperate towards ADH and aldosterone. So you'd be still a high fluid intake, normal sodium intake to an extent, and then, you know, using your diuretic at whatever point, Friday or Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, 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 it is, again that's where the skill of your coach comes into, you know, understanding what's happening to the person's body by tracking body weight, tracking, you know, visual appearance. Yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely like, even from personal experience, um, I had NABA nationals one weekend and then I had the JP classic the following weekend. So again, it was a goal of mine to, you know, place quite well in NABA Nationals, but overall I've seen the PCA JP Classic as probably a more competitive show. Yeah. So I sort of had to, you know, when I made the decision with Jordan, which show meant more, I think placing in the JP Classic probably meant more to to me at that point. Yeah. Obviously the NABA, the NABA Nationals was a, a natural peak, which... Again, taught us some lessons because of we ran things slightly differently. So that the morning of NABA, by the time I got on stage, I was a little bit watery because of we, we didn't drop any water the day of the show. Versus the following week, we were blazing with a proper peak, which ended up like, you know, my best look to date on stage. And um, oh, I guess, like, like I said, it's... That was at the JP Classic, that one, wasn't it? Yeah. And I mean, that, that's, that's again, having to make a decision with your coach on, on what, what show means more to you. Even though you want to win every show, you can either take, you know, the first show as a learning experience, which is what we've done in that regard. We didn't, we didn't drop my water on show day. And by the time I was on stage at 1pm, my legs had a slight film of water, which, which did cost me a couple of places. Mm. Versus then the following weekend, you're like, right, we we tapered water up like normal. We went back to higher sodium. And then, you know, um, Friday night, we uh, took water up to an extent, then dropped it, and then done the quarter diazide. And then show day, minimal, next to minimal water up until on stage. Yeah. And again, that that place, and then I came, I think, fifth out of 19 people. That meant more to me than, you know, placing seventh out of, I think it was 14 people at Naba Nationals. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, it's sort of like you have to, if you do decide that sort of route, then you, you can't be disappointed with the placing of the first show. Mm. Um, 
I think that also applies to individuals with a long contest prep that have got shows spaced out over a longer period of time. The fact that if you're going to extend the contest prep on a diet, especially when anabolics are being used and orals are being used, you can't expect to deliver at 100% on the first show and 100%, say, if you got qualified for a final at the end of the year. Like, there needs to be some form of strategy where you use tools as and when needed. And you might come in at 90% for the first show, but still be good enough to get what you want, but then have that extra 10% that you can then use in stock leading into that second show. Because I think it's very, very easy. I, I was in that position as well. I remember texting you with photos at like eight weeks out and you were like, oh my God, like you need to slow down. Otherwise your body's going to ruin itself. <laughs> I was like, am, am, I, am I peeled yet? And I had like lines all over my glutes eight weeks out. My head, my head was just completely gone. But if, you know, that's when having people around you, having Jordan telling you to calm down, having Corinne telling you to stop doing so many steps, having you telling me to not take any more drugs, that's when it's um, that's when it's valuable. Otherwise, your head just goes. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it that, and again, that's why we're even the, the first time. If you're going to compete for the first time and you have a coach, uh, as coaches, we're always trying to make our best educated decision towards someone's physique. Yeah. But it can take, you know, a couple of shows to nail exactly what's going on. Mm. Um, and I mean, that, that again goes back to the, to the NABA show. And that prior to that, when Jordan was like, right, we're not going to cut any water. We're not going to do anything in that regard. You know, we're not, you know, not even natural diuretics, etc. I, I sort of warned him. I said, judging from past experience, my body tends to hold water if it's given water. Yeah. I remember you telling me that, actually, yeah. On show day, so... I said to him, like, this is a gamble in that, yes, you know, we're sort of staying to, you know, normal day-to-day um, appearances. So we're literally getting on stage and how I would look at that time on a normal day. Mm. But uh, again, it, it sort of taught us the lesson that, yes, my legs tend to hoard water when I'm given water as the day progresses and I'm on my feet. Yeah. Which was, you know, the complete opposite then the following weekend where we just removed water intake on show day to literally sips and, and that was that was my driest look today on stage yeah but again that, that's why i said it takes it takes a couple of shows if you are working with a coach for the first time to nail exactly what's happening with that person's body because again you can't make you, you could try and make that educated decision of you know we fully drop out water the night of the show the, the night before the show i mean and we'll literally just introduce sips to that person on show day. Mm. So that person could end up flat on stage. Yeah. And, and that's, and it, that's, that's when like the, the um, frequency of feedback, especially visually fe- visual feedback comes in so important because like, if I, like, I've got Emma competing at two 30 today and she'll send me photos like every, every two hours the day after, after feedings or at specific times, because I know that if I don't stay on top of that and I wait five hours to see her again, the look could completely change in the matter of a, you know, in the matter of hours. Yeah, and I mean that's why again you can't just apply, you know, a peak and protocol to every competitor. No. Because things change, and that, that's why again they, they sort of working with someone for a couple of shows. Um, you might get lucky, you might nail it on the first try, but sometimes you might end up with a curveball where you don't anticipate something happening. Mm. That person again, that person could get highly stressed in their first show. And that that increase in cortisol is throwing everything out the window, no matter what you try to do. Yeah. Um, you know, keeping up with metabolic rate, um, keeping them hydrated. 
they're just burning through nervous energy. Yeah. Um, and again, that, that takes, you know, a, probably a second show in order for it to, you know, get that person to get the first show jitters out of the way and then, you know, bring them in the more calm environment for their second show. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. That was awesome. That was awesome. Um, moving forwards, we're all obviously going to sort this thyroid podcast out as well pretty soon. Um, and that will start to talk through exogenous thyroid use, which is obviously going to be highly applicable for people that are using things like T3 on prep now and the implications that has on physiology and obviously the implications that has post prep as well when it, when it eventually gets pulled out. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting talk. Um, I, I guess right now, the only thing that I can say that people will be shocked by is that it's not as complicated as people make out to be. Mm. But how we, how we manage thyroid hormone metabolism potion, it's, mm. not, it's not this, you know, I'm going to end up fat because I take T3 away. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not like our HBTA in that regard. The HBT is a little more resilient. <sighs> and it's, a, it's unfortunate that people don't really understand that. And that, again, it elicits quite a lot of fear into people. Yeah. Because um, yeah, awesome. I think they'll be interested to speak about, but the amount of people that I've seen that will continue usage and elevated doses as well, with the fear that, or oh, if I start eating eating palatable foods and eating, you know, quote unquote normal again, then body fat is going to accumulate very very quickly. So they'll they'll continue to run fifty micrograms of T three six months post show, and then it's dealing with ramifications <laughs> of that as well. Yeah trying to cheat the system cheat the system <laughs> yeah okay um that was awesome thank you very much for your time dean thank you carl it's always a pleasure to be on the podcast and um we will have you back soon for the uh thyroid episode i'm looking forward to it thank you my man bye-bye